At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. My grandmother is Vietnamese, my mother is half Vietnamese, and it makes me a quarter Vietnamese. Um, and I like to go by a Asian American, Vietnamese American, biracial uh, player. Um, but Vietnam is, the relationship is uh, really strong and uh, it's a part of my heritage. I am Miley Jones and I play on the Vietnamese women's national basketball team. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. I didn't play basketball first. That wasn't my first sport. It was swimming. I really love to swim. But since my dad's a professional basketball trainer, I was just always around basketball. But I was like, no, I want to go to the pool. And so I do remember I was five turning six. And I was at one of my dad's sessions and I remember sitting on the baseline while he was training. And I said, I, I was like wondering to myself, I said, I know, like I can do this. I said, how come he doesn't train me? He trains all these other kids, but not me. But you know, I, I was five years old. So a little at the time that I know, you know, right. he was uh, wanting me to do what I wanted to do, you know, not force me to play basketball, just see where it kind of leads to, to my life. So uh, eventually I asked him and, um, now I'm, I'm on the national team. So just been working at it. I eventually quit swimming and I just do basketball now. You know, I, I think that's a, a very wise uh, move on your dad's part to not uh, force you or, or encourage you early on. Um, because I think it turns a lot of people, a lot of kids off, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I see some kids today excuse me, at my dad's uh, basketball camps and clinics and private training. And you can tell like they're, they don't want to play basketball. And you know, it's even worse when they admit it, you know, it's, oh, well, my parents are making me da, 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 da. So it, it kind of makes it harder because they're like, you know, it's, it's not in their heart. You know, I asked them kids, I said, well, what do you want to do? Oh, I like soccer. You know, I'm always just outside kicking the ball. And I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe it's time to play soccer. You know, <laughs> you really got to follow your heart in life. You know, that's really the biggest thing. What does being Vietnamese uh, mean to you today? Oh my gosh, it means so much to me. The, the sacrifice that went on from before and to be able to be at this stage to really go back and see how things have changed and um, see how Vietnam is progressing. That really means a lot to me. And um, to really put a smile on my grandmother's face, my bong wai, um, that makes me really happy, especially when we get to go back together 
and uh, yeah. we get to take pictures in our alley. We get to travel all over Saigon and um, see her family in the village. So uh, it really means a lot to me. Did you grow up with your Bangwai or did she live in Vietnam and you just visited her in the early years? No, I actually lived with my Bangwai because uh, my parents, we lived with our grandparents. So my Bangwai was in the U.S. Okay. Um, and we lived for them for, oh gosh, maybe about five years yeah. uh, before we moved out and we, uh, my parents got their own house. Um, because my dad was still playing professional basketball. So um, because he was traveling um, all over Europe playing, um, I just stayed with my mom and my Bangwai and my grandfather at their house. And so for the longest, you know, my my Bangwai, she would, you know, babysit me because my mom had to work. Um, my grandfather had to work and she was at home. So yeah, we <laughs> we're like this, you know, <laughs> we're really close. How do we, as people who are professional, who were going after the things that we love how do we stay on that track okay. that heart track with our profession because I, I know it gets hard right how do we stay in it it definitely gets hard yeah it definitely gets hard and I think you just hit it right you know you just really said it there it's love you know when you you think about like little things you know when you love a cupcake you'll bust your butt anyway mm. to go get that cupcake you know, no matter what, you know, the grocery store is full. They don't have your flavor. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. So you're, you're trying other options. And that's similar to professional sports. You know, there's days where it gets really, really hard. You're like, oh my God, how did I do this? But it's the fact that you love what you do that helps you get up every single day and you move past those obstacles. So, you know, it's the it's, you know, when we're in training camp and I'm like, oh my goodness, I said, I'm just sore. My body hurts, but, but it's, it's that bad. love that I have for the game of basketball that helps me get through those obstacles because there's definitely days where I'm like, mm -hmm. I just need a break, you know, go for a walk or, you know, just do something different, you know, go get some coffee or, you know, go, go to, to uh, go outside by the pool, you know, you, know, you just, just have, have those little, little breaks, breaks here and there. But um, it's really, like you said, when you love something, you'll do anything for it. When when you say take a break, you only mean like hours, right? You don't mean like a day or a week off from the sport. You you mean just... No. I mean, I don't mean a week. Uh, a week is probably right after the season because it, it's it's very important for your body to recuperate. That's like the okay. biggest thing. Um, um, I've, never I've never taken like a month. It's never been a month. Uh, maybe a day, a day or two because when you have that day or two and you don't do any of the sport that you, that play, you play or anything that you're used to or your routine or what you're doing that you love, um, it really just helps you refocus your body, your mind, your spirit, your emotions. And then when you come back, you're just a lot fresher. So it's, it's definitely really important to take those one or two days here and there. I definitely wouldn't do it very often. I don't like to do it very often, um, but definitely I can see sometimes where I'm on the court or I'm training and I'm like, something is just not clicking. And I said, okay, it's time for a break. You right? cross train in any other sports? I don't. The, the closest thing I would say to cross train that I do is meditation to the uh, Buddha Bible. Uh, my grandmother, uh, my Bangwai, she uh, would play the Buddha Bible on YouTube. And I asked her, I'm like, you know, what are they saying? You know, what is, what is this about? And she said, she likes to do this uh, just to meditate. And she's not the, you know, traditional back straight, you know, yoga position of meditation. Uh, for her, it's just sitting down, listening to the Buddha Bible, taking deep breaths, 
closing your eyes, you know, one breath in, one breath out, and just take it step by step. And that's really what I like to include now. So, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I definitely did this in training camp. I had a day off. And so I said, okay, I said, I'm going to do the Buddha Bible. So I turned off all the lights and I played it on the, the speaker and I just relaxed, you know, I didn't set up straight or anything. I was just in perfect relaxation mode. And that's probably the closest I'll get mm. to cross training, gotcha. but it's definitely, it refocuses your mind. Let's say you can't, you know, you still have practice, you know, and you just can't really get away from it, but you know, you need that break. It's definitely a good quick fix, you know, where you're like, okay, I feel pretty good. Let, you know, let's get this day started. When you were younger and you were, starting basketball at what point do you really lock in and you go okay um this is something that i really love and i'm gonna really go all out or was it a gradual progression for you i think it was a gradual progression and the only reason why i say that is because i started really young and um i for me i felt like i was a i had raw talent as an athlete, you know, because uh, growing, growing up, up I would I play, golf play golf and I played tennis. And so, and I did that because I love, I love the atmosphere of tennis. You know, I still do uh, not good at the sport. Um, definitely don't love the sport, but you know, just the atmosphere of being in it, you know, just hitting a couple balls here and there. Uh, golf. I got into it because of my dad, you know, my dad and I were really, really close. My dad's my coach, trainer, mentor, father, everything. Mm-hmm. And so when he started playing golf, I was like, oh, I want to play golf. And so then when I found out he really wasn't going to be my trainer, then I didn't want to play anymore. But I still go out and, and hit a little bit. And I had I took some lessons when I was younger. But I didn't really start to understand how much I loved basketball until I was in middle school. Because there would be times where it was a rough day. There was a lot of homework. You know, my dad, he's being so hard on me on the court, but being a father at home. And I'm just like, how am I going to get through this? But the fact that I was able to understand that, you know, really process that in my mind, that's when I knew I loved the game of basketball because no matter what, I was still able to get up and go to the gym and still work at it, knowing that, you know, my father's going to be hard on me. I'm going against the boys. I really got to bring it. And so that's when I knew I loved it when I was in middle school. I always ask this with, with people who are professionals, like how much of it is talent and how much of it is just raw energy mindset putting your your heart and soul into practicing i think talent is has the least amount of input when it comes to being an athlete professional athlete i think everything else is heart is how bad you want it you know and it's the work ethic and that work ethic comes within with inside of you you know your heart how bad are you willing to go out and get it how bad are you willing to do a a workout in the rain in the snow uh, when it's just boiling hot outside you know how far will you go mentally to just put your body through the extreme so when you do get out on the field or on the court then it's just easy for you you know those those measures definitely come into hand and those those mindsets those mental obstacles and challenges that you face within yourself and that you're able to get through is how you separate yourself from other athletes. You know, a lot of people don't understand that because, you know, they they do their workouts, they go to practice and like, okay, that's good. But, you know, you see other athletes, they're going to practice, they're going to their workouts, then they're going to their private workouts and they're doing their own workouts by themselves that they needed no motivator or nothing. They just got up and did it. 
and you know that's when you kind of see Separate. you know mm -hmm. the greatness versus you know some average players here and there that takes a lot doesn't it that takes a lot of faith in, in it does in it does it does but you know i've always said if you if you love what you do then you know it's not going to be hard for you of course you're going to have hard days that's just life you know but uh if you love what you do you'll definitely find a way to just make the most out of it is the best way i can put it yeah you know i've definitely had some rough days and i'm like how am i gonna get through this you know but it's you know just getting okay no let me just go let me just go let me just go let me just keep fighting through it fighting through it and that adversity that perseverance inside of me is what keeps me going all right so let's dig into this whole soccer versus basketball culturally okay soccer major thing in vietnam um for sure and basketball is a fairly new thing or what what's the relationship between if there is even a relationship between the ratio of basketball and soccer i think what i'm asking is you know is basketball growing in vietnam how you know what's the development look like uh, against yeah. soccer Oh my gosh. Uh, well, for one, like you said, soccer is way up there, you know, yeah. um, but basketball is definitely growing and it's growing at a fast rate in Vietnam um, from definitely what I've seen. Uh, I've been to Vietnam uh, a while. Um, and what I see is there's so many kids that watch, you know, the NBA and, you know, what goes on uh, with LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, you know, may he rest in peace, but, you know, they watch those videos and those YouTube videos and as a Asian American, I can, you know, and I've, you know, been raised in the States. And so I can tell when I see some YouTube video basketball, basketball drills, but it's the fact that they even look up those drills on, on YouTube, YouTube for basketball and they try and go apply it, you know, and I think Vietnam is, is really good about, they use what they have to the, mm -hmm. to like their best advantage, you know, right. they're outside and the hoop is maybe like four feet tall they're still trying to work on their game and go score, you know? I think that's really cool. <laughs> or like, you know, in America, they're like, oh, it's four feet tall, I'm not gonna do nothing. You know, I wanna go to a gym. But you know, they they really make the best out of it. And I think that's, you know, why Vietnam is growing at a fast rate. And, you know, the Vietnam Basketball Association, the Professional Basketball League in Vietnam, VBA, um, they're growing and each year it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. They're starting to get more attention from, uh, the U.S. where uh, American players are coming to Vietnam to play. And that's definitely going to help the development of the Vietnamese local players or heritage players. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm really excited about the VBA, but definitely soccer is up there. Uh, when the soccer game is on, like the city just shuts down. Yeah. I mean, I um, where I stay in Vietnam in Saigon, District 1, I'm not far from Huynh Way Street. And that whole street will just shut down. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Um, but I think basketball will eventually get to the level of soccer. I just don't think it will beat the level of soccer just because soccer has been there for so long. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the tradition. That's the sport. If you want to play a sport, you're going to play soccer, you know, um, where, you know, the States is a little bit different. You have football, you have volleyball. I don't think basketball is the number one sport in america i do think it's football and then i think it's baseball volleyball and then basketball somewhere around there you know it's just kind of uh equal here and there but um it's definitely growing in vietnam it's definitely growing and i could see definitely five to ten years it's going to be pretty big 
You, you know, uh, a, a constraint that I think about um, with soccer versus basketball is height, right? Mm. The height yeah. of a yeah. basketball player. That, I mean, there's not many uh, Vietnamese that are like tall um, for the most part right. to, to really make a dent right. in the sport of basketball in Vietnam. But I think in, in um, soccer, you don't have to be a certain height. I think even the shorter right. might even be more, I don't know, but more advantageous. No, that, that definitely makes sense. Yes, yes. Because, you know, I don't know too much about soccer. I played when I was little, but I always wanted to use my hands and I couldn't do that. Yeah. So I said, I don't want to play this sport. But um, that quickness, you know, and, you know, that's where shorter people get, you know, they're more quick than mm -hmm. taller people. Taller people just, you know, they're long for basketball. They take up more space. Right. They're probably going to be a, a very defensive, a great defensive player. Um, I would say in Vietnam, we have a couple of tall guys, uh, not so much girls, you know, in the States, you hear like a six, five point guard, you know, you're like, Oh mm -hmm. man, you know, but um, yeah, they're, they're tall. Um, but if I were to compare them, how they would survive at division one level in um, the States, I think they would be okay. Um, I think um, they have to learn a little bit more skill set, but definitely for Vietnam, they can be so dominant. But like you said, with height, you know, the Vietnamese, uh, average Vietnamese person is probably, you know, pretty short. Mm -hmm. But I would say for me, because I'm a short player, you know, I'm not very tall when it comes to basketball. basketball. I, I've always said height never mattered to anybody. Why? It's just how bad do you want it? You know, and so you see, I know a couple of players that are on the national team. I'm like, wow, he really worked. He works so hard. You know, he's not very tall, um, but he's quick. And he'll do anything to get the basketball, anything to protect the basketball and get the basketball, and most importantly, win the game. And, you know, that can really take you a really, really far away. Yes, talent can get in the way a little bit because you do have to have a skill set, you know, to really, really separate yourself. But um, for the most part, they just, they work so hard, you know, and that's one thing I've yeah, always, always appreciated about the Vietnamese basketball culture is that they'll do anything to, to get it. You know, they're going to work hard. They're going to run. They're going to get stronger. And I think what, as Vietnam basketball, what it can get better at is, is bringing in players or coaches that can help with the development. And what I mean by development is skill set, which is talent. You know, they already have the work ethic. That's already there. That's never going to be taken away. But now we need to take that work ethic and develop it to talent. And now we're competing at the, the top, you know, with Asian other Asian countries. Let's talk about work ethic. Um, Cause you brought that up. Is there, how much of a difference is there in the work ethic of a American, a young American girl and a young Vietnamese girl? Is there a difference or it's kind of the same? I would say an, an a American girl, it's not, let me, how, how do I want to put this? I would say an American girl, an American or Vietnamese, you know, you know uh, girl, the work ethic is about the same. It's not until they get to maybe, I would say like teenager, then you start to see the difference, you know, because I see, I think when you're so young, you're just finding, you're just finding yourself, you know, you don't know what you want to do. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh, let me do this or let me try this. 
oh, I definitely don't like that, but I really like this, or it's really fun. No, I love this, you know, those different. But I think as you get older, and I've always, you know, because I've traveled all over the world, and the American mentality is you just keep working at it. You just keep going, keep going, keep going until you do not stop, until you get it, you know? And so I would say the American mentality is what really a lot of people chase, you know? A lot of people want that American dream. You know, they want to come to the States. They want that American dream. What a lot of people fail to realize is it's really just work ethic. And if you keep working at it, you're going to get it. You know, like it's when you study, when you keep studying, you're going to get it right, you know, because you're, you just keep going. And so I would really say the American woman can have that worth ethic where, you know, it's just constant work ethic, work ethic, work ethic. I think with, Vietnamese women, it's more about discipline. They're going to be disciplined a lot longer than American women because it's all about, okay, if I have to keep doing the same thing every single day, I'm going to keep doing the same thing every single day because that's what I've been told to do. That's what my heart knows. Where American women's like, I'm going to keep doing the same thing every day, but if it's not going to work out, I'm going to find something else. Mm, you know, you see that difference there. And so that's something that I've definitely understood just traveling so much and, you know, I've always liked to surround myself around inspiring women, women that will do anything in this world to get what they want to be successful. They're not going to stop until they get it, you know, respectfully and professionally, not just out here being reckless, you know, that's, right. that's definitely not something I support, but professionally and, you know, kindly doing your part to be the best that you can be for yourself and for your family and that representation. That's what I like to be around. That's what inspires me to be the best. And what I see the most is worth ethic. When I'm around these women, they just work at it. You know, they're not going to take a break. They're not going to rely on anybody, but they're going to make sure that they get this done. Yeah, that's a interesting distinction. What about um, teamwork? How how much teamwork is is happening? Sort of because I know like the American sports tradition, there's so mm -hmm. much emphasis on working together. And, yeah. you know, in Vietnam, um, you know, I don't know much about sports and I admit that all the time. But, you know, yeah. is that culture developed? Is it um, something that is apparent yet? Oh, for sure. There's definitely a lot of teamwork when it comes to um, I see it in soccer in Vietnam, Vietnam but definitely, definitely. In, uh, in, the basketball. in basketball. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is definitely a lot of teamwork. It's a lot of, you know, you got to pass, pass, pass to make the right shot, you know, and sometimes that's really good, especially in basketball. That's really good. However, there are times where a defense of scheme can really just, you know, overplay that and just like, no, that's, that's not how this is going to work. We're going to dictate how this is going to go and kind of force you to play some one-on-one -on -one basketball and one-on-one -on -one basketball is so big in America. It is just yeah. on real i'm what, like what do, you, what do you mean by that like one-on-one uh, -on -one, which means like there's a team but there's usually one-on-one there, -on -one, like in the game there's a there's a team so like for basketball there's a team and you're supposed to play you know together as a team right. but there's this one person that's just like no i want to do it all by myself in I america y'all are talking about right in america and it's those and i don't want to put anybody on the spot but it's those athletes that just think they they just have it have made it. and it's like oh no 
this is how I have to do it. I have to take 18 dribbles or I have to be in one spot and I'm just going to take it all by myself. No matter who is open or no matter who is helping me, mm-hmm. I have to do it all by myself. And that's like, no, that's not what it is. But I think definitely the Asian basketball culture, not just in Vietnam, mm. they have more of that teamwork. You know, we have to work as a team to get the best, best shot. shot. You know, it's a it's an issue of ego, I think, right? For sure. Yeah. Yes. And I oh think my gosh, Americans yeah. are much more individually driven, much more yeah. ego driven. Yeah. Right. I can say that because I'm, you know, I grew up here and born and right. raised. We we yeah. have that. And, you know, I don't know for better or for worse. That's what we culturally we're just defined that way. Right. But also sure, I've sure. been, you know, obviously in Vietnam all these years and it's not like that. Yeah. The, the ego yeah, is right. not yeah it's just not it's like not that. there yeah there's no ego and that's where i i just mentioned the discipline yeah you know you're just being so disciplined to play as a team where they're like you know that american mentality that culture is you know it's it's work ethic but it's like look i built this from the ground up so i want all the credit <laughs> you know that's really where that 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 ego comes in you know where it's like you know and vietnam is what i see a lot you know i was like oh well she did all the work you know i was like she's not getting no credit everybody's gonna get the credit but you know they're they're all okay with it you know and that's what that's what it is that's being humble that's being look this is a team sport so we're all gonna take the credit not just me because i made the last shot not just me because i got the team going no it's a team effort and it's a team reward. When we lose, we all lose. When we win, we all win, you know? And so, so that's, that's where I really love how the Vietnam basketball culture is developing into teamwork. Okay, but be honest with me. There's got to be something to the star culture, right? That one player or the team who wants to be that one star. If everybody wants to be that one star, they're probably working a lot harder for sure score, yes. right so yes is that oh, yes. fire that missing fire that ego that drives that one star player or all five guys who want to be the star is it missing in a, a vietnamese basketball team uh, I, i'm just asking an honest question i yeah no i think you're a hundred percent right and if you watch the VBA, and for those who are watching this, if you watch the VBA, you see a lot of that one-on-one ego from the heritage players. You don't really see them from the local players because the local players grew up in Vietnam playing Vietnam basketball. But the heritage players, they grew up, you know, in the West, you know, in either Canada or the States and were that American, you know, mentality on how you play that ego that's instilled inside them because that's what they grew up and that's what they've learned. And so when they bring it over to the VBA, they're trying to do their own thing. And here and there, it does work. Definitely, it does work. But I would say for it to really work, if you want to have an ego, if you want to have no, like, I work my butt off for this. I want all the reward. I want this. I want that. You have to go about it in a different way to the local players. Because if you just kind of jump in and have that American mentality, they already have that expectation that you're from the States. So you have to be like Michael Jordan. And if you don't play like Michael Jordan, you're bad, you know? And that's not what it is. You know, people don't understand. God only made one Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They didn't make, you know, these other Michael Jordans, but um, you have to go about it in a very professional way. And what I mean by professional way is 
including the local players, including that local talent within your American ego. And it's not easy. It is not, not easy because they have this expectation for you as a heritage player that grew up in America playing American basketball. And so it, it can get very frustrating, but if you do it the right way, it's very rewarding because then you make the local players feel so powerful, feel so, oh my goodness, I can do this. I can be that ego player. I can be that player that makes all the shots. I can be that player that every time she does this or she does that, then I make it. You know, you give them confidence. And so, but it had the very important thing, you have to go about it the right way. I wonder if a man can think about this. It's like, <laughs> women have this sort of empathy, right? Yes, I'm sitting yeah, here, yeah, you have this, this I'm emotion. Listening to you going, this is a, you know, only a woman can think like this, you know, like you're empathetic right, right. to. And you know, I, I always believe that anything is possible. You know, so when someone tells me, so, oh, it's not possible. Like, I'm already like, okay, well, I'm, I'm up for the challenge. Let me prove to you that it is possible, you know? I've always believed that if something is impossible, then it shouldn't even be thought of, you know? It shouldn't even enter your mind. Yeah. But, you know, when someone says, oh, no, it can't be done, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to prove that it can be done, you know? And especially, you know, in Vietnam, I feel like a lot of them, they have what it takes, but it's just believing in themselves, you know, and believing in yourself, that has a little bit to do with ego. You know, you got to like, hey, look, I can do this. Yep. You know, uh, there's that confidence. And, you know, there's like a lot of players, you know, that I've, you know, seen or played with in Vietnam. Like, no, I can't do it. I'm like, what? Like that, that vocabulary just like doesn't enter my mind, you know? And I said, no, you can do it. I said, look, I said, you're doing it right now. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, yeah, I am. You know, but just trying it, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, you can do this. I know you can. And so it, it's just how you approach, you know, that, that Vietnamese basketball culture is just so important. You know, I talked about this with um, uh, Christian Juzang, who was a, a heritage player in the VBA. And I said, you know, the approach is so important. When you're coming from America, playing American basketball and coming to Vietnam, playing Vietnam basketball, you, the approach has to be so important because if it's not, then, you're you're already looked at as an American, yeah. you know. You're not really seen as a, a Vietnamese American. You're you're seen as a, an American because that's where you grew up, and you know that's fine. You know that's where you learn. That's where you learn your math, your basic skills, yeah. um, your basic basketball skills. So it's it's respectable and it's understandable. But it's you know if you approach it the right way to where you include all of the local talent in with your ego, then the reward is going to be a lot bigger. It's definitely a dynamic that can be complex but it's definitely possible. Sounds very complex. Now, let me ask you this though. Yeah. Do you make it sort of uh, a mission to infuse some of that ego driven because a healthy ego oh, might, sure. yeah. For sure, because I, I want the I want my teammates, I want them to feel that they can do this. I want them to feel that, you know, like I tell the boys here when I play against them, when you pass it to me, it's going up. And not only is it going up, but it's going in, you know, mm. but it's that, it's that mentality. It's that, okay, look, I get up 500 made shots plus not minimum is 500 made shots a day. So when I'm doing that, I have that confidence there. And so that I want to instill that into the girls that look, no matter what you can do this, the Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia, they're, they're having that ego 
Like, look, I can do this. We've been doing this. And I want that to be, you know, around with my teammates because then it's going to be so much easier. You know, it's not going to be a struggle. Losing is not going to be the norm. You know, now winning is going to be like, okay, no, every time we step on the court, we're going to win, you know? And yes, you need some ego on the team, but you don't want too much because if you have too much, you know, you're going to explode, but you need some of that because that's part of confidence. And that's really all it is confidence and believing in yourself. And, you know, if those, those girls can get that, I know COVID is really slowing things down. The country's on lockdown, but if girls can really get that, we could be so strong. You mentioned other countries, um, Malaysia, Thailand, all those other countries. What's sort of like the basic ranking of the other countries for um, women's basketball? For women's basketball in Southeast Asia, just Southeast Asia, yeah. Philippines are at the top. Okay. And then it's kind of Thailand, Malaysia, um, Indonesia is making some noise. Uh, they made some noise this year. But um, yeah, it's really in that order. Um, and it's, you know, and where's Vietnam? it's sad Vietnam is, you know, at the, at the bottom, but okay. I'm really hoping that I can go there and make a difference, not being, you know, okay, no, y'all need me. No, I need you guys. You know, hmm. we need each other. You know, that's the, the expectation. That's the mindset I want us to have. And that's the mindset I have for myself that I need you and we need each other. You know, it's not like, oh, Miley needs this or, you know, it's one way or the other. No, we need each other. That's what's really important. And if I go about it that way, then I think we can be really, really good. How long is it going to take to turn uh, the team around to go from the, you said at the very bottom, we're at the very bottom mm-hmm. right now? Second to- second to last. Second, yeah, to, second last. to last. So we're at the we're at the bottom, but I wouldn't say the very very bottom. Yeah. How long will it take, and what does it take to kind of notch up? Um. Oh goodness. How long it would take? I really would say, I hope not long. Um. But I think this upcoming Sea Games that we have, Sea Games Thirty One in Hanoi, um, I think we can do well. Um. I think even meddling is definitely in the conversation. And for me, meddling is there, you know, but wow. that's just me, you know, if everybody is yeah. not on the same page, then, you know, it's definitely not going to work. I want everybody to be on the same page. I want to lead by the example that look, if we do this right, if we work hard and we're all on the same page, we're going to meddle. And so I have the expectation for me of going for gold because still, if I miss there's silver and bronze, you know, but I have to go for that. I have to have that in my mindset. And so how long it would take, I would like a three month training camp, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, I'm not the coach. I'm just a player. Yeah. Um, I can really only give my suggestions, but there's definitely other things that, you know, fall into hand about having a long training camp and training camp is not intense all three months. You just can't do that. Your body's going to get really, really tired, especially for a week and a half long tournament. But I think, and maybe, a year or so, I think that's where we can actually get to the level of winning is the norm. You know, right now it's not the norm. Right now it's kind of like, well, what's going on? There's a little excitement because, you know, we're getting a new coach um, for our national team. And so that excitement is is building up. Yeah. Girls are working out, you know, during the quarantine, the lockdown, girls are, you know, finding ways to still keep their body in shape. So I think that excitement is there. And there's definitely some girls that, you know, they'll do whatever it takes. You know, there's definitely some girls that are just like, ah, 
I don't know what's going on. I'm just kind of here. You know, they're just that purpose is not really instilled inside them. Right. And so I think a year or so, um, and I think a year or so we can start to see some progress, you know, in our rankings. And that's what, you know, you got to start somewhere when it yeah. comes to that. Can you talk, tell me about this new awesome coach um, that you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the Vietnam women's uh, women's national team for the basketball team, uh, they're getting a new coach and that coach is coach David Jones. So as you can see, I borrowed his back, his backdrop. Uh, David Jones pro training, which is right here. And um, that's his elite, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Institution mm -hmm. or uh, academy. And so he trains a lot of professionals. So he was offered the head coaching job for the five on five for the national team. And for those of you who don't know, Chris DJ is my father. <laughs> so it, it, uh, it really, it really works out. Um, it's really sweet. It's really fun. Um, people are, are like, uh, well, I don't know how the father and daughter is going to go. I think what people, what people don't understand is, you know, my father, we're, <laughs> we're really, really close. Um, we've been close ever since birth. So, uh, everywhere my dad went, I had to go and, you know, there's been those challenges of girl dad and, you know, where the dad is the coach of the daughter. And there's been a lot of, you know, back and forth and the daughter thinks she's right. And the dad's like, no, I'm right. Um, we really didn't have a lot of that when I was mm -hmm. growing up. And so I've, I've definitely had a lot of daughters who are in my position where their father was their coach come and ask me about it. And I said, no, I didn't have that, that, that problem too much. I think when I was a teenager, maybe 15 or 14, you know, maybe three times I was like, no, I'm right. He's like, uh, did you forget? I trained you. What do you think? What do you think leads to that dynamic where you didn't have a lot of um, disagreements with your father as a coach? For me, because I always knew he was trying to help me. I always knew that he was looking out for the best interests. And these other girls, I, those, like these other girls, that I, and I, I try to explain it to them, and you know, I said, look, at the end of the day, he's he's your father. At the end of the day, you put basketball out of it. You take, you know, workouts out of it. You take practice out of it. He's your father. And I said, as a father, he loves you. And he's only looking out for your best interests. He's never going to look out for your worst interests. And because of that, you know, that's where that clash comes in because maybe she thinks she's right. He's like, no, I'm right. What are you talking about? And it really happens in those, like those teenage years. Cause I see it now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, there's like this, um, this one uh, girl that comes to our gym sometimes and her and her dad are just going at it. And I'm like, no, I said, look, he's just trying to help you. At the end of the day, he's just trying to help you. And my dad would always explain that to me, always. He just always, ever since I was little and he became my, my trainer and my coach, he always explained, look, I'm just trying to help you. At the end of the day, we take basketball out of it. I'm your father and I love you and I'll do anything for you. And when I really started to understand that, right. then there were times where I'm just so frustrated with him. I'm like, no, but I said this way. And I'm like, you know what, Miley, he's just right. At the end of the day, he's just right. And what, what kind of helps me a little bit more is that my dad played professional basketball. Uh, so even if I try and challenge him, I, you know, that level, he's just, he knows it, you know, and yeah. he's put years in. So I see some, I've, I've actually had some girls come up to me and they say, yeah, well, my dad just yeah. played in high school. Like, what does he know? And I'm like, 
but still he's your father and he is looking out for your best interest. Whether he looked it up on YouTube or read a book, he's still looking out for your best interests. How do you think the team would take to your father? Because there's a different sort of culture of work right. ethics. There's a different sort of push from an American right. coach versus what they're used to. Right. Uh, well, the good thing is, is when I had training camp for the 2019 SEA Games in the Philippines, uh, he actually came and did a couple practices. He coached a couple practices. So the girls were, they, they, they already really adjusted to him. Uh, not completely because they, you know, they didn't do his difficult workouts. You know, they, they did a couple and like, for me, it was nothing, you know, but for them, they were like, oh. I said, yeah, I said, it's okay. I said, you're going to be okay. But um, one thing about the, the team is they want to learn. Hmm. That's what I've noticed with all of them. They want to learn new stuff. And They're what I mean by stuff is like just one-on-one -on -one moves or the, the fundamentals of passing the fundamentals of dribbling, different drills. And it's one thing to look on YouTube, but on YouTube, it's just so different. You know, I've always believed if it's on YouTube, then that information isn't as useful because if it's really a valuable information, it's not going to be put out in the public. You have to go find that information. You have to go pay for that information. Yep. And that, that, that value of that information is going to take you far. And so the girls and, you know, my best friend bit, she even told me, she said, when your dad was here, she said, I just cannot believe all the new stuff I was learning. She said, I've never learned this before. And she said, you know, she's, when she goes and plays in the SEA Games, they put her as a post. And I'm like, she's maybe a little taller than me. And I was like, oh, wow. And she's like, because, you know, she's not a post player. And she understood that. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And she said, you know, because I'm a guard and I didn't really know how to do all these guard moves. And that's where that Vietnam is growing but we yeah. need those players, those from the West that are Vietnamese American that could come over or those Americans that could come over and really, really develop those Vietnamese players. What are these young women doing on the off time? Are they playing basketball full time? How are they getting uh, financially through all this? They play basketball full time and they the biggest thing I've seen is they do coaching. So they coach at like a school or like a, a gym and that helps financially and they play for a city team. So there's the national team, which is the country and you play against other countries. And then there's a city team, which is only domestic and you only play against other teams in Vietnam. So the competition level isn't quite like international level, but it's enough to keep you in shape, keep you in a good rhythm. That's what I would compare it as and, and say. And the city teams, is it like a paid audience or paid um, people that come into the, to watch? Yeah. Yeah. They, they get paid, they get paid a salary to play on the city team. The salary, I don't know what it is, but um, you know, they go and play in tournaments. They have like the national tournament and the national tournament is, you know, I think they go to Najang and they play um, and it's all the cities in Vietnam play against each other. And then, and then Ho Chi Minh city, uh saigon they usually win and so um the the name of the city is like tp hcmc mm -hmm. you know uh which un in other words for saigon but um that team usually wins every year um they actually just lost the three on three not too long ago to kenta and kenta is pretty talented as well i know Whoa. some girls on that team yeah 
So they they lost to uh but it was three on three, not five on five. Five on five, I think they win it every year. Three on three, I think it, it can get a little bit more competitive, but uh Kenta beat uh uh the Saigon team. So interesting to even hear yeah. Gangta in the same conversation as basketball, women's basketball yes. <laughs> or you know, just basketball three yeah. on three, right? And to right, think that right. is a smaller town can overtake like a big city like that. Right. Exactly. And it's, there's, there's definitely talent in Kenta. There's talent in Hanoi. There's talent in Da Nang, the Chang. I mean, there's, there's talent everywhere. Dalat, you know, but it's, you know, the fact of wanting to play at that high level, you know, yeah, play at that high level of the national team or play at that high level, even of the city team, you know, you really have to, to want it. And some girls, you know, they're just shy. And, you know, it's really the Vietnamese, you know, culture of, you know, I, I think of more females than males, you know, Vietnamese uh, females are really shy. They're not really like, oh, am I going to go out and do it? Like, yeah, girl, come on. I'm like grabbing her, <laughs> grabbing her hand. Yeah, let's go. You know, where they're, you know, just kind of shy. They take it step by step. They're like, oh, I'm not sure. What should I do? I'm like, no, you're coming with me. Let's go. <laughs> In your heart yeah. of hearts, what what makes a champion? What makes an MJ? What makes a Kobe? What makes a LeBron? Work ethic. Work that's ethic. That's it. That's what separates. Work, those that's all guys. it is. You just gotta work. You just gotta work. And you look at you look at Michael Jordan. You look at Kobe Bryant. The reason why I don't say too much of LeBron James is not because of his career right now, but it's so much of at at the time he just has that raw talent, you know. And I think no matter what, if you're a basketball player or a basketball fan, you do have to respect LeBron James' talent. Okay. He can he can play. He can't, you know. Is he GOAT status? I don't know. But you look at you look at Kobe Bryant and you look at Michael Jordan, their workouts are very similar. Their oh, workout really? regimen is very, very similar. Not quite the same because I think Kobe Bryant had a little bit more advanced technology mm -hmm. than Michael Jordan just because of the time. time. Um, right, you know. Kobe Bryant, you know, when he was in the NBA, there was rubber bands, you know, back then it was like a person stretching you, you know, yeah, yeah. just those, the, you know, just to that Small, level subtle di differences. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, they had a uh, STEM, but, you know, STEM probably in, in MJ's day was, you know, maybe a really, really, really good masseuse. You know, now there's STEM, there's, you know, those little big giant boots they put on. I don't know what it is. You know, mm -hmm. there's, uh, MJ just had the simple thing of ice bath, you know, you just fill up a bucket of ice and you sit yeah. in it and there you go. But, um, the workouts and those workouts come with within yourself because can you discipline yourself? Do you love this game so much that you'll work, you'll do whatever it takes to be the best. You know, I think it, it the biggest thing I saw, which I didn't really understand until I, uh, watched the last dance of Michael Jordan. And he said, uh, his Tim, his uh, his coach was Tim Grover, and he said right after he lost in the the finals, you know, Tim Grover came over to him and he said, you know, just let me know when you want to start. He said, I'll see you tomorrow, right after a game, after you lost, after you lost everything, the season's over. He's ready to start off season right away. Is LeBron willing to do that? No, you know, mm -hmm. and I and you consider, you know, Michael Jordan even has a family too at that time, and so. Was Kobe Bryant willing to do that? Yes. You know, and because Kobe Bryant watched Michael Jordan so much growing up when he was playing, he went to a game and watched him. 
And so you, and another thing that I thought of is when Tim Grover, uh, his book, Relentless, he said, Michael Jordan paid him extra to only train Michael Jordan, to only train him. There was Dwayne Wade. And of course there was Kobe Bryant and some other, there's some other, you know, upcoming rising stars coming up. And he said, I'm going to pay you double, triple, whatever it is, but I only want you to train me because I don't want my opponents gaining an edge. And that mentality, that work ethic, that is what makes a champion because they're going to do whatever it takes to win. You know, they're going to work out and do whatever it takes to to be the best when you're just tired. You know, there's definitely, I have some 3am, 4am workouts, 2am workouts, and I'm just exhausted. But I know if I don't go, then I'm going to feel way worse than that, you know, extra four hours of sleep, you know, when I actually have to get up, you know? And so I think that's what makes a, a champion is your work ethic and your mentality. Because if you don't have that, you're just going to win a couple games here and there. Yeah, you might get an award here. You might get an award there. That's great, but you're going to have no rings. You know, you're not going to know what it takes to finish it. Finish the start the season and finish the season from, there's definitely going to be some up and downs, but if you finish strong and finishing strong with the ring, with the championship in your hand, then that's what it took was that worth ethic and mentality. It's a great answer. It's a really good answer. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, because I, I think about that and how I was raised and culturally how, um, you know, brought up for the most part, the Vietnamese experience that I went through, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't so much, we didn't grow up with so much sports. A lot of us did, mm -hmm. but a lot of us didn't really, you know, get down to the, the, that work ethic side that really right. just digging down and, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I've noticed it in Vietnam too today, you know, when I work with my factory or I work with, you know, it, that superior, like we got to get to number one, no matter what, right. you know, that's, yeah. that's, I think it's, it's happening more and more now in Vietnam. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yes. And it's, you know, I, I, and I, and I say this because I get so much, not really judgment, but I get this, you know, look when I mentioned Vietnam. And I know why, because of history and I get it, you know, but, you know, they think of, okay, it's not a democracy. It's not freedom. You know, it's not free over there. And I'm like, no, it's capitalist. You know, of course, if you want to go like by the book of what the government type is, okay. Yeah. But when you're there and you're living like a Vietnamese would, I drive a motorbike and I'm like, look, people will work their butt off for money. You know, I mean, who wouldn't, you know, who wouldn't, I mean, there, there are some, some Vietnamese I've met that are like, no, money is not everything. I'm just going to go live the farm no. life. And I'm like, but they're more oh, capitalistic wow. than Americans. I think. I, I think yeah. so too. I really think so too, because there's so much motivation yeah. when there's money involved, they will just go after it. And I'm They'll like, go hard. wow, yep. you know, it's just like, okay, they're, they're going to do whatever it takes. And I told people, I said, yeah, maybe this type of government, but I said, it's, it's really capitalist, but you know, you, you have to be there. You know, they're definitely just going off what's on the internet and they're going off of word of mouth, which is fine. But I've always believed you can't judge a country or their culture until you actually are there living how they live, not in this five-star hotel and, you know, this taxi or Uber or private cars taking you everywhere. 
no, you you can't give your full opinion yeah. about a country or a culture until you live you've it. lived how they lived. Yeah. And I think this idea that you just talked about of champions, right? I think it's bleeding into our society in Vietnam. It's yes, being able yes, to visualize like MJ or Kobe saying, mm -hmm. we can get to metal. Um, For sure. And there's a possibility of doing that. Then right. once you see that that could be done, then you can mm -hmm. actually create systems to get there. Right. Oh, yes. For sure, because, you know, because the game is growing and they're going off of YouTube, like I said, they're going off of Michael Jordan and they're looking at The Last Dance is on uh, Netflix Vietnam. So I know everyone, every basketball fan in Vietnam was definitely excited for that to happen because they get to see that. They get to see Michael Jordan. They get to see him make these moves and go up and stick his tongue out and just completely dominate. You know, they get to see that. So then they see that and they want to envision themselves doing that. And really, that's where it starts from, just envisioning yourself that you can be that Michael Jordan. Not everyone who comes from the States is Michael Jordan, but, you know, keep that in mind. You know, we, we are human. We are who we are. Uh, we're not Michael Jordan. We want to, everyone wants to be like MJ, but, um, you know, that's, that won't really happen. Someone might come close, but it won't happen to where you're an exact match because God only made one, you know? And, but we can work towards that. We can definitely work towards that and envisioning yourself watching and, and practicing on a hoop or practicing on your dribble on the sidewalk right next to your motorbike, you know, right in front of your house or in front of your apartment complex. Those little things right there is what's going to get Vietnam up there with soccer, you know, as the sport. I don't think it will ever beat it because of history. Yeah. And it's soccer's just always been there. But, you know, because soccer, you just need a ball. You know, you can make your goal. You know, you just need your feet and a ball where, you know, basketball, you need a hoop. You have a ball, but you need a hoop, you know, um, or you can make a hoop, but you still need one. Um, but it's, you know, it's going to get there and envisioning yourself, you know, the local players, heritage players, envisioning yourself that you can be that American caliber player. That's where it starts. Speaking of envisioning, do you have um, or your father have training sort of, um, I think videos like Last Dance or reading material like Tim Grover's Relentless, do you have that like injected into the, um, into the training camp or is that part of any regiment? No, only thing we've done is a, a tactical plan. And the tactical plan was a really long tactical plan. The tactical plan was 36 pages, I believe, like 35, 30, yeah. And it was the regiment of what my father, uh, Coach DJ, wanted to implement in the national team. Uh, it's really long. <laughs> it is really, really long, but it's really in detail. And details matter. When you play the game of basketball, details matter. And I wouldn't say basketball, I'd say, you know, any sport Life. really. Right. Yeah. Details Life. matter. Those those little things really, really matter. And if you skip over those little things because you're just trying to take a shortcut, you'll see you're back at square one all the time. But it's really detailed because that's what we need to do, I feel, as a national team. I've been able to practice with the national team. I've been able to give my input of what I think could be better. I can give my input I think is doing really well. And that those details is what really matters because we skip over them you know, and 
for me, it's like, you know, yes, you can condition your body. What I mean by condition your body is run, 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 run. That's really great. You need that cardio for basketball, no doubt. At the end of the day, we're not running track. We're yeah. playing basketball. So you got to work on your skill set, which is shooting, you know, dribbling, passing, those little details right there. How you go up and shoot, how you dribble, where should you dribble, what angle you take, how you pass, how you make the pass, where should you bounce the pass, how high should you throw up the pass. Those little details right there is what can be implemented into the national team. And I think that's what Coach DJ can bring. When you say a 36-page tactical plan, is it just a bunch of words? It's a bunch of words. So it's on a document, and it's in a it's in a like booklet kind of form. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know any uh, Office Depot in um, in Vietnam, mm-hmm. so I had to find like a photocopy place. Yeah, and uh, they did a really good job. But um, when my dad wrote the plan, I was like, he uh, had to go to Nichang and and do some scouting. So he said, well, can you take this and you know just while I'm gone, just get it ready. So when I come back. I can have my meeting with Connor Nguyen, who uh, kind of oversees the national team and basketball operations that go on in Vietnam. And said, okay. And so I got it done and I was like, I just skimmed through it. I was like, whoa. But it's a bunch of words, but it goes into detail what can be done with the national team. And is it in English or is it in Vietnamese? It's in English. Okay, so how does the details and the nuance of this tactical plan get to the brains and the visual aspect of the players well one thing that's really good is you know english is uh pretty commonly spoken in vietnam reading and writing not just you know like me like german i can just understand it vietnamese just speaking (laughs) you know i'm not really you know i wouldn't say interested but you know not looking right now to learn how to read and write vietnamese but they understand english pretty well and details is when it, when it comes to basketball it's really about showing you know not so much of reading it but can you take what was those words on a paper and can you transfer that from mm-hmm. as a coach transfer that to your players by demonstration you know because demonstration they can see they're looking at the details when you point out the details they're looking at the details when you're looking at a detail mm-hmm. they're looking at the details you're telling them where to look you're showing them on the ball what, how to do it, where you throw it, where to go. You're looking at the backboard. Okay, when you do this, it's got to hit up higher. And the higher is the corner, how you spin it. You know, there's so many little things that go, but that demonstration is what's so important. So a lot of, you know, people were like, oh, DJ, you know, you're going to give out this tactical plan. That's something that, you know, that's been like, gosh, 25 plus years of your knowledge of the game of basketball. And he said, not all of it was in there, but it's it's it was more focused for, the national team. So not all of the knowledge is going to be in it, but he said, what makes you a good, and this is what really made sense to me. What makes you a really good coach is if you can transform, transform words on a page Mm -hmm. to demonstration to a player, and then they can get it right. That's what makes you a good trainer. That's what makes you a good coach. That's the magic. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. He's right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And the details, everything in life goes back to the details, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Those little things of waking up early, setting your alarm, you know, laying out your clothes. What are you going to wear? You know, how are you going to look? You know, are you just going to get up and just look a mess? You know, those those little things just, you know, pay attention, you know, pay attention to life. And I think the biggest thing for me, what's got me such a long way is smiling. You know, it doesn't take much to smile. Yeah. I've heard so many people tell me, 
your smile is so, you know, rejuvenating or so like energetic and excited. And I said, you know, I've always told people a smile and a firm handshake, looking somebody in the eye, those three things right there can take you a long, long way. You know, when you say hi, you smile, you know, when you shake somebody's hand, you're firm, you look them in the eye, you know, when you're speaking to somebody, you look them in the eye, you know, it's those, you know, those, like we said, those little details right there, you know, it's like, okay, genuine person, or, you know, they, they, they mean what they say, or, you know, they're just, they have this light to them. You know, I tell people, just smile. You're going to be okay. Just smile. <laughs> Shout out to Kate Park. Um, when Kate Park and I. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I loved meeting you guys. I'm so sorry. We yes. didn't do something that day. Oh no. But no. oh my gosh. It was so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Kate Park. Shout She's Kate amazing. Park. Yeah. Thank you for, she, you know, she brought it all together uh, with us. And yes. When we came down to see you, that was what we felt that, you know, the smile and the firm handshake and yes. the Aoyai, the yellow. The Aoyai, yes, were, I yeah. have. I know we can't see the, the full outfit, but I have on the my one of my favorite ones, the white one. So, um, yeah, I was like, you know, I wanted to share, you know, that that part with somebody who's Vietnamese. You know, I'm usually around a lot of Americans, you know, because, you know, I'm here mm -hmm. in San Antonio. So and we're in Aoyai and they just like they go crazy. Like, oh tell God, me about your connection this? with the Aoyai. Like, yes. Yeah, so, the... yeah, I'm an uh, Aoyai collector. Um, I love to design Aoyais. And so um, I'm on my 16th, 15th Aoyai. And so uh, I've been collecting ever since I was 18. So any chance I got either in Hanoi, Da Nang, Da Chang, and of course Saigon, if I was able to get there, I would definitely just go order. And so my tailor, uh, she tailored this LEI. Mm -hmm. She's my favorite one. But here's what's really cool about her is um, she doesn't speak any English. And where she lives is somewhere you could probably never find ever. I think it was just fate and, uh, and our bond that I was able to go back and find it because I met her through a friend. And so um, I said, wow, I really like how she makes LEIs. So I said, well, let me go back. And so I was like, okay, I, I searched through the address. I was like, oh my gosh. And I finally found it. And then I got there. And so she saw me, she just like kind of broke down in tears because I haven't seen her in a year. And so um, I went there and saw her and she speaks no English. So how we communicate is very, I wouldn't say bizarre, <laughs> but you have to be, you know, <laughs> maybe a little bizarre, but you have to be, you know, just kind of that, you have to have an open mind. And so the measurement is just to the T exactly how I like it. How long it is, is exactly how I like it. A little long in the back, a little short in the front, but still long is just exactly how I like it. So she does a really good job. And I told people, I said, look, that's my tailor. Um, I can give up the name, but I don't know if you're going to find her because, you know, where she, you know, she does everything out of her house and, you know, just being so honored and blessed that she let me into her home because you know that's somebody's sacred privacy place right. you know and she was able to you know create this ally but um that's my favorite tailor i go to her as much as i can and you know because of covid i really wanted to support other vendors and other tailors that were struggling because you know of course vietnam is on lockdown mm -hmm. as we know and uh those international tourism they haven't been able to you know you know, get business. And I, I felt so bad. And some of my friends were on the border closing down. I said, look, I'll order four alias from you. Okay. I said, let me give me some time to pick out the fabric. And of course we'll do the measurements. And I said, 
you know, but I always tell my, my, uh, my tailor that's in the, I wouldn't say jungle, but somewhere, you know, I tell you, I'm always coming back to you, you know, and we, we don't use Google translate, none of that, you know? And so usually it'll take me about an hour to order an ally. Um, and that's before measurements. This makes me think about, um, so clothes and I think you mentioned you, you have a uh, line that you have been thinking yes. about. Yes. Uh, I'm going to launch my Alyai company in December. And so we're running into some obstacles because the Alyai is so unique and the craftsmanship of the Alyai is what's really important to me. The quality will always be there for me. Uh, quality is so important to me, but the craftsmanship. And what I mean by craftsmanship is because the Alyai is, is pretty snug, you know, you don't really see any loose Alyais. You don't really, you see them kind of snug. And so when they're snug, because they're custom made, you know, that's where the obstacle I'm running into, you know, so there's different ideas that I have um, that I'm like, okay, well, this is how we can share it, you know, with the American culture. Cause that's really my biggest thing mm -hmm. is if I try to launch a company, an Alliant company in Vietnam, no way I would succeed yeah. just because there's so many of them, you know, and there's so many cheap ones, you know, and well, cheap quality ones, I should say. And so, but if I bring here to the U.S., not only do I get to share that craftsmanship with the American females, but I get to share that, look, this is the feel of a Vietnamese woman, you know, and I'm Vietnamese American. I want to break that barrier of American or it's an ally. I want it to be, okay, look, I'm going to McDonald's. I'll wear an ally, you mm -hmm. know? It's not because I'm going to a gala or I'm going to a, you know, um, a party, a really upscale party. It's not none of that. You know, it's something that you can wear, that you can share. And most importantly, that you'll look beautiful. in. You know, that's really my biggest thing is bringing that to the American culture as much as I can. You know, of course, you know, there's the crop tops. There's, you know, I want to show all this. I want to, you know, show all that. This is more of a conservative look. Right. And I want to, because I'm mixed, I'm a biracial person, I want to have that mixed alley. Of course, I want to have the traditional so I can share that. But I also want to have that mixture of American trends and fashion with Vietnamese alley And I want to mix that together because then that represents me, you know. And so I've had a couple of designs here. Um, here's uh, soon I'm going to model my first ever design that I did. And so I'm really excited, kind of nervous, cool. but I'm really excited um, because I've never, I've never shown this, never. People are like, I explain it to them, and they're like, oh, that looks cute. I said, no, nah, you gotta see it. From my understanding in sports, sometimes the the guys that are and the women that are participating in the actual sports events don't make the the money's great, but sometimes it's really in the sponsorship deals. Mm -hmm. What is yes. that climate like in Vietnam right now? As of, as we speak today, yes. it's very, it's a very dry, dry climate. And I mean, by that is COVID really, you know, there was a lot of budget cuts, you know, so that's definitely understandable. But uh, for a Vietnamese player, let's say they're on the national team and let's give the men's for an example. And they're going to make most of their money. They're going to make more money than they do in the female side, just playing basketball, but they're going to make even more money outside of that with endorsements and sponsorships, mm -hmm. like you said, um, that climate for the men's side is really, really good. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. 
um, because now that Vietnam is growing, those fans, those basketball fans, they they see somebody right. that is on that you know big stage, you know for the the Vietnam national team. For the women's side, it's not so high. It's not so so hot. It's more of like, oh okay. Now and and I can say that, and I say this from a business side. I'm studying international yeah. business. Um, I do school online and I play uh, for the national team. Um, and I say this from a business side because and in sports, if you're not winning, you're, you're not going to get no yeah. money. <laughs> it's just what it is, you know. It's just it's just what it is. Keeping you know? it real, yeah. If you're not winning, no one, no, because no one wants to support a loser. No visibility, you know. Right. There's no there's no excitement for it. There's no like. Oh yeah, like if we sponsor this, then this is gonna get well known, and you know that's just what it is. And I and I hate to be so blunt. I was like, true. I'm trying to put it in a different way, but you know that's just what it is. And so for the women's side, because losing is been so accustomed, losing is the norm. There's no expectation. Okay, yeah, the women are gonna get silver, you know, because maybe they might run into the Philippines or they're gonna get gold because. Philippines lost these players you know there's there's none of that there's none of that talk it's like okay just go because we have to go you know not because we want to go or right. you know no the girls are going to make some noise the girls are going to put you know Vietnam on the map there's none of that topic right there I think the men's side have a little bit more but the men's side you know they do have an American coach coach Kevin Yerkes and so you know it helps a little bit because then he teaches, he teaches those, skill those skill sets, sets. you know he teaches those skill sets to those players so not only do those national team players have that local discipline and mentality, you know, of, okay, I got to get this done. I'm working hard, but they, they have a coach that can teach that American, you know, skill set. That's what's so important. And that's what people, you know, really don't realize is when you have that, you're going to be better, you know, and of course the men's side, they have the BBA. There's no women's BBA. It's just mm -hmm. a city team, but you know, the men's side, they have the city team, the national tournament and they have BBA and they have ABL. Um, ABL has been uh, kind of um, shut down because of COVID, which is, you know, that's been a lot of leaks so far. But, you know, ABL is the top, then it's VBA, then I would say, well, it's actually ABL, national team, VBA, city team, anything else under that. Right. And so, um, yeah, the men's side has it more, but, you know, this past the games in 2019, they, you know, won bronze three on three and five on five. So, um, you know, there's there's definitely some some potential business that can be done to where a business is going to be successful if they sponsor um, the men's national team. What they see for the women, we have to work for it. You know, so we have to we have to really work hard and put our head down and, and get it. That makes perfect sense, right? I mean, you know, if there's this excitement, this love for you know attending yeah. a game, then right you know, the big brands or they're going to, the corporate side, they're going to see right. the attendance, exactly. they're going to see the numbers go yeah. up and pour money yeah. into sponsorship deals. For sure. For sure. So and exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm really excited. And, you know, I've never really looked at, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you're looking at the endorsement party. Of course, you know, bills yeah. have to be paid. That's just, that's just life. Absolutely. But I said, I'm not going to go about it. I'm not going to approach it in that way because then I'm not loving how I'm not speaking of what I'm about, you know, and what I'm about is for the love of the country. You know, it, it means a lot to me to have this opportunity to represent Vietnam 
because now it's like my grandmother, those sacrifices she made to get to the point where she is now today, it's like rewarding for her. You know, when, when I'm doing this, she feels so rewarded. There's a smile on her face. There's hope, there's happiness. There's the biggest thing, excitement, you know, and she, I'm, I'm really, you know, kind of bummed that it has to be this late in her life. You know, I wish it was definitely 10 years, 15 years earlier. Um, but, you know, at least she gets to share this moment with me, my bangwai. She gets to, you know, my bako, my great grandmother, she's mm-hmm. still alive. You know, she gets to share this with me as well. And my family in the village, they follow me as much as they can. They get to share this moment with me as well. And that really is where I feel so rewarded, so just butterflies inside that, yeah. you know, I get to do this, you know. But when the sponsorship deals and the corporate, you know, corporations see it, that is also a big gift yeah. to it is. The economics it is. You know, um, right. Because then, you know, they get to see, okay, we have Vietnam is doing this. There's a female doing this, you know, and it's, and I never approach it as I'm an uh, American. No, I'm Vietnamese American. I'm not going to shut out my dad. Or my grandfather, you know, uh, on my mom's side. You know, I'm not gonna shut them out. You know, I'm still gonna include that in there as well. But we get to do this together. Yeah. You know, especially at a climate like this, where there's the stop Asian hate. You know, that doesn't. It shouldn't even be a hashtag. You know, it should just never even enter somebody's mind. But it's a stepping stone for us to to get better, to come together. You know, we're gonna be in this together. You know, we just had this COVID. I know everybody's just like, oh, what's going on? You know, just kind of, you know, going cuckoo a little bit. But if we just kind of relax, Buddha Bible meditation mm-hmm. a little bit, what Bawai suggested, then, you know, we kind of refocus and we go forward and then we can be in this together, you know, and that's really the biggest thing for me. If you were to imagine Vietnam 10 years from now, women's basketball, what do you see? What do you visualize? <laughs> I see greatness. I really see greatness. And because we get to, for me and my teammates, we get to pass down this mentality, this work ethic, this torch to the younger generation that want to play because the younger generation is looking very bright for Vietnamese players. And even some here in the US and some in Vietnam, you know, it looks very bright. And I want to lead them by example. I want to set that example. I want to inspire them that, look, if you keep working at it, you can definitely be the best that you can be, you know, especially in Vietnam. And I think Vietnam is is going to be one of those sleeper countries where mm-hmm. you just kind of sleep on it. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, you know, losing the norm. But no, you know, we're, we're going to make some noise. We're going to do it professionally. We're going to do it, you know, kindly. But, you, but, know, you know, when, when we step up, step up on the court, you know, it's just basketball, you know, we're going to play. Who are the young uh, Vietnamese or young talent that you see um, here in the United States? Are there Vietnamese uh, women that are playing basketball at uh, at a level that you think that would um, that we should pay attention to? Yes, there is one that I've been reckon to, recommended by twice. I don't know her name, but she's in ninth grade, so she's she's got some time. Uh, I would say she's got maybe about five years five, six mm-hmm. years, um, hopefully four years. And so she's interested in playing with the national team. But one thing she has to understand is school, you know, um, because I think she's growing up in 
from what I understand, she's grown up in the States. You know, it's always been, you know, if you play a sport, you want to try and get a scholarship to uh, NCAA one, division one, two or three. And that way you can play basketball and, you know, school is paid for. So if she has that goal in mind, which I think how she plays, maybe she will. Um, but, you know, everybody's different. Maybe she has plans to go play for the national team right after high school. But um, if she does, then, um, you know, I think it would be really good for her. You know, she definitely has talent. Um, everyone, you know, is telling me, oh, yeah, but she's small. I'm small, too. You know, and I said ninth grade, she's probably going to grow a little bit more. Um, but, you know, she has that talent there. It's definitely there. Um, I hope she can, you know, get her passport. If she doesn't have it, let's get that process started right now. And so, <laughs> you know, my, my process passport was a while, but, you know, let's get that started now. So then that way, when the time comes and you want to play for the national team, then you're good. You know, that's really my biggest thing, but um, I don't know her name. I'm so sorry. I don't know her name, but uh, she's in ninth grade. And um, I think she really does have potential. Speaking of passports, um, you, you know, you stay in Vietnam for a certain amount of time. I mean, what's like the visa uh, citizenship? Like what's your status on all that? So I do have my Vietnam citizenship. I have two passports. Okay. I have an American passport and I have a Vietnam passport. Um, but it took five years to get my Vietnam passport. Now this is why, because I wasn't born in Vietnam. I was born in Germany. I wasn't even born in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, that kind of threw off something. I have a U.S. passport, but wasn't born in the U.S. And I, when we explained it, I said, and I was actually born on German soil. I wasn't born on American soil. I was born a in German? a German passport. Do you have a German? I do not have a German passport. Because at the time in Germany, because it was just like two years ago, you can now have dual citizenship in Germany. So I wasn't going to, you know, my parents weren't going to, you know, have a child that, with the... Right. You know, exactly. And so both my parents had U.S. passports. So they said she's going to have a U.S. passport. And so um, and then my mom wasn't born in Vietnam. She was born in Japan, um, but she was born technically on American soil. Right. Uh, because of military. And so, you know, she got her passport. But, you know, Vietnam saw Japan. So what? You know, what's this? And so that took a while. And then um, my grandmother, my Bong Wai, she had her birth certificate. So lucky. So that's really what saved me. Yeah. She had a Vietnam birth certificate. Once she had the birth certificate, that's all she wrote. I was definitely just open doors for everything. And so that really that's really what saved me. She kept her birth certificate. Be so. Because can you play on the Vietnam team without being a citizen of Vietnam? No, you cannot. You have to have I because you know when I the national team director explained it to me. I technically like I'm a citizen and I can play on the national team and I have the passport, but because I wasn't, I don't have a card. He was trying to explain to me. I don't have a card of Vietnam, which is basically like paying taxes, mm -hmm. you know, cause I don't pay taxes in the Vietnam uh, because I don't have that card. Um, that's where it's a little bit different, you know? And I think you have to be born in Vietnam in order to get that card. Uh, if you're, if you have heritage or blood, you can get your passport, no doubt. Um, and so uh, depending on what your other passport is. Right. So there's some countries like, um, uh, I think maybe Sweden or, um, yeah, I think Sweden, uh, you can't have uh, dual citizenship. And so they've actually have one player that's there. I think he's 
Danish, so it's maybe not Sweden. Some some country there around there, but he can't. He has a Danish passport, but he cannot get his Vietnam passport. Wow. And I know, and Vietnam could really use him too. So I'm like, dang, um, he's really he's tall. He's tall and he's built. I'm like, oh man, oh definitely, yeah. definitely use that. But um, you know, it's it's de- it depends on what the other country is. You know, U.S. Yeah, they allow dual uh, dual citizenship. So um, yeah, if you do not have your passport, your Vietnamese passport, and you're an American, uh, you and yeah, you don't have the citizenship, you cannot play on the national team. You need your passport. Right. That's why you were like yeah. um, talking about the the young woman, the ninth grader. You're like, work on it now. Yeah. I think I was like, I I was so confused with that. Like, yeah, yeah, she'll be okay because uh, for me, it was um, I'm 25% Vietnamese. And so I'm not even like half. And then my mom wasn't born in Vietnam and then I wasn't born in Vietnam. And so that wasn't even born in the US, you know? And so that was even like, it just threw some, so many people off. And so, but I, what I saw from video, she is full Vietnamese. So it's gonna, it's gonna help. You know, it's gonna be. And her birth certificate is like the save the day. Yes, that was like the golden ticket, you know, Willy Wonka and them, golden (laughs) ticket. And yeah, it just saved me, you know, it really did save me because I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I I can prove it. I have my grandmother, my Baco still still lives in the village, you know, there. And so she had to fill out some paperwork as well, my Baco. And so when she filled it out, as soon as we asked her, she just filled it out right away. And so she filled it out, sent it to the police, and then the police sent it to immigration. Yeah. And so, and then I had the birth certificate. So yeah, it was good. You know, I look forward to the next few years of, you know, whether you're playing for the team or you're managing the team or you're coaching the team. I look forward to the manifestations that you are going to be putting into the universe for Vietnam. Yes, I'm I'm really excited. I want to be there as long as I can. You know, um, for those who don't know, I actually do live there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have an apartment there. Uh, I go back and forth uh, really because I have family here in in the U.S. And so I don't want to spend too much time away from them. But I have um, an apartment there. I drive a motorbike. Make sure you're safe, though. It's really fun. Make sure you're safe. Have to be safe. Uh, But it's really fun, you know. And I, I, for me, I did not want to live too much of like a Westerner or a foreigner. I said, I want to live as much as I can as a Vietnamese because then I can understand the culture yeah. even more than yeah. what I do now. And that was the biggest thing for me. I don't want to take a grab. Um, I'll take a grab sometimes. Like I'll take a grab bike. I think that is so much fun. It's <laughs> actually more fun than actually driving the bike because yeah. you get to see more, you know, when you're, when you're driving, you have to pay attention. You can't just like veer off and look. Yeah, and you're right. When he's driving, I'm on the grab bike. I'm just like all over the place. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that building was there. I drive by it every day, you know. And it's those it's those little things for me. Yeah, living there is is understanding the culture is so big to me. You know, like cats are everywhere. I'm like, yeah, someone lost their cat, but you know they eat the rats. So um, it works that helps out. out. You know, yeah. right? It works out. It works out. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope to see you. I hope this is uh, the first of many. Uh, episodes to hear the development of basketball uh, in general and then in specifically uh, women's basketball in Vietnam I hope to have you back on uh, throughout the next years and uh, it's exciting it's really exciting it is 
It is. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for your time today. Thank you. Yes, Ken, this was so much fun. Thank yes. you so much for having me. I'm so sorry we couldn't do it while I was in Los Angeles. No, this is um, perfect. This yes, is perfect. this is really good. But thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Miley. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran and Javier Proenza. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts. Thanks again for listening. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.